0: This is a Soulfire production. Welcome back, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of Superwoman Wellness, where you know we are determined to bring you back to your superpowered self. Speaking of being superpowered, we know we as women depend on our hormones for balance, for so many different aspects of our health, but it still seems really elusive, right? It still seems like we can't get the answers we need. We're joining me today. I'm thrilled. She was on my retreat and she is back to educate us this Is Elisa Vitti. I'm going to tell you guys a little bit about her. She's a women's hormone and functional nutrition expert and pioneer in female biohacking, right? I love that. Female biohacking. She's the best-selling author of The Women Code and her new book, In the Flow. She's the creator of Cycle Sinking Method, a female-centric diet and lifestyle program that leverages hormonal patterns for optimal health fitness, and productivity. She's got all these great credentials, guys. I'd be here all day reading these, but she's been on numerous shows. She's done lots of talks. She's been on Oz, talks at Google, all this other good stuff. Let me welcome in my colleague and somebody I just respect so much. Alisa. welcome to the show. Thank you for taking time out to join us today. Oh, I am so thrilled to be here. Thank you for having me back. It was such a joy to connect with you on your retreat. So it's a treat to be back talking again. Well, it blew my mind on the retreat. I think my surprise was pretty obvious there as, yes. <laughs> you know, in terms of how you think about hormones. And, you know, we both are in alignment with understanding that women's health and women's hormones are not really being addressed fully. There's so many gaps there. We need to like move that needle forward for all of us, but the infradian rhythm and not to jump directly into that topic, but it blew my mind because in medical school, we are taught The circadian rhythm. We're taught about periods and hormone cycles, but we're never taught the infradian rhythm. Unless I fell asleep in that class until no, you didn't. Let's keep in mind the science of chronobiology, or the division within biology called chronobiology that's all focused on looking at rhythmic biological rhythmic patterns and systems in the body. That's a relatively young science. And so it's still evolving. And so of course, it's not something that's going to be standardized included in textbooks. And so, no, I don't think you fell asleep at all. Um, rest, Rest assured. No, I mean, it's, i it's, it's, it's really just like not yet made it into a mainstream conversation. The fact that we have mainstreamed the concept around the circadian rhythm is huge progress right. from a chronobiological point of view. But I mean, I don't even think people really understand the term chronobiology, which is this idea of the timing of the functions and systems of the body, right? That's sort of what that science looks at. And you know, it's fascinating, and I think it's the I think it's the missing key, especially for women. I mean, and we know that male biohackers are really um, full; those that are serious about it, as as men uh, and biohacking, they're fully invested into supporting their circadian rhythm and synchronizing with that biological rhythm as much as they can to optimize their health outcomes. This is a fun. This is a very good uh, piece of logic that women should be applying, but we have to appreciate that we have a completely different uh, biological rhythm in addition to the circadian rhythm that we have to factor in. And that's that was sort of my big aha. You know, I've been, as you were so generous to share about my background, but I mean, I've been t- I've been working with women's health and hormonal healthcare for the past two decades. Um, you know, first in a in a practice in Manhattan, and then. Uh, in the past decade, sort of through our digital hormonal healthcare company called Flow Living. And in the past five years, I mean, for, for the, all those two decades, what I noticed, and I'm sure what you notice is this, this conversation for women about hormonal healthcare hasn't gotten enough support, right? And just talking about periods was difficult enough, right? But then I got really excited because about five years ago, there was like this big tectonic shift in the cultural narrative, right? We had we had um, Kiran Gandhi run the London Marathon without any menstrual products while she was menstruating. And so everybody could see her bleeding right while she was running the marathon. And that sparked a whole millennial Instagram explosion of breaking down the taboo. And I was like, really there for it? Yay! I thought, great, this is going to change everything. And then what I did see was all this wonderful snowballing of things in the wellness media you know on wonderful sites like well and good and mind body green who were really mainstreaming a conversation about well what is what should we know about menstruation What should we know about our hormones and um, and I thought great finally now women are going to have the thing that's been you know holding them back really which is information right if you don't have the information you can't you know, it's, it's, I think of any analogy you want, I hate to use a car analogy because it feels a little masculine, but if you don't know how the thing works, how are you supposed to drive it anywhere, right? right? Similarly, if you don't know how your hormones work, how can you take care of them properly? And, and that's really been a huge problem I, that I see women having. So I was watching and I was waiting and I was looking at the statistics thinking things were going to get dramatically better. But I was shocked and upset (laughs) instead, which to really see that there are these two really profound statistics that we should know about as women. One is that right now, as we're speaking, 50% of women are struggling with a hormone issue. Mm -hmm. Okay. And that compounded onto that is that 80% of women at some point in their lifetime will have a hormonal issue. This is Staggering. staggering. Yeah. And when we compare that to the male cohort, I mean, 80% of men are not having a hormonal problem. No. <laughs> you know, it's just, we're, it's not even in the same galaxy. So I being sort of the researcher systems thinker that I am, I kind of needed, I, I kept asking myself, what is happening? What is such, the, what is the salient difference between these two gendered cohorts that one is struggling so profoundly more than the other? What are we missing? What is going on? And I kept mm-hmm. digging and digging and digging. And that's when I stumbled upon this infradian and Circatradian rhythms, looking at the fact that we have this secondary biological rhythm, in addition to the circadian rhythm as females, that's activated at puberty. It's only active from your first bleed to your last. And it really governs so many systems of the body, right? Beyond just when you're ovulating and menstruating, right? Just like we know the circadian mm-hmm. rhythm governs more than just when you're sleeping and waking, right? Right. The, this infradian, circuitradian effect, this, this affects our uh, brain, our metabolism, our immune response system, our stress response system, and our reproductive system. So if you've been wondering all these years, like why you have weight issues and mood issues and mm-hmm. immune issues and fertility issues and libido issues, they don't all need a different solution, It right. turns out. What they need is for us to stop disrupting. The biological rhythm that is trying to conduct this very elegant orchestra in perfect harmony. And when we keep disrupting it with using diets and workout plans and methodologies that, that are not aligned with that biological rhythm, we experience symptoms across the board. And I, I got really excited about that enough to write a second book, and um, you know, I thought also we needed a methodology to support this rhythm, and that's where the cycle syncing method was created to help women use food, fitness, and time management, if you will, to better align with this biological rhythm in a very similar way to, uh, to the way that we know how to align with our circadian rhythm, but to do it in a female-specific way. So we're going to break this down a little bit because the, there's a whole lot that you just said. So the idea of chronobiology, how would you best describe that? That every everything living, everything breathing has a rhythm to it, has a rhythm based on time. Is that the best way to think about it or describe it? How would you describe that? Yeah, chronos is the Greek word for time. Um, and so... This it's the idea of the timing of the science of life, right? The, the biology, the ti- Your body, it, you know, is a biological system, and it's not it's not linear. It turns out all the time, right? There are certain um, rhythmic patterns that are cyclical. There are patterns that are sort of linear, um, and so we do have these different um, rhythms in the body that really run the show, right? And it makes sense because right. think think about how complex. Just the human ecosystem is, you know, between the brain and the I mean, just the kidney alone is right. so it's so remarkable. So it's 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 it makes sense that there's a timekeeping system in the body to orchestrate all of these different functions and the timing of the subfunctions within each system. Let's say the immune system, so that you're so that the body is not doing everything at once. That is not efficient. And what we know about nature is that nature prefers an elegant and efficient, you know, sort of me- solution, right? right. Um, and, and that's what we have when we look at things through the lens of chronobiology. It's that we don't have all these disparate things that are taking place, that we actually have them within a timed ecosystem, and that the more we support the timing, the less we have to try to support each and every little function. It makes our job of taking care of ourselves so much simpler, actually, right? And we know this from all the studies that were done at the the Boston Nurses Study on Circadian Disruption, right? So for example, we know that if you were to um, sleep for five minutes, and then be up for two days, you would really disrupt a lot of the systems of your body. We know our insulin levels would go crazy, our cortisol patterns would be disrupted. That's in the short term, We also know that that would compound and create massive disease vulnerability for the long-term, right? So again, we just haven't applied this to the female ecosystem because we have overlooked the importance of this um, cyclical pattern that we have. And so we keep, as women, trying to do things that are circadian only with our self-care that ironically ends up disrupting a lot of this other biological rhythmic pattern that we have. So let's break down the infradian rhythm then. Would you say that's primarily, how would we measure it, know it? Is it primarily hormonal? Is it kind of with our cycles? Does it apply to menopause? Like how would we, right. how, how do we put our hands on that rhythm so to speak? So there's the infradian and the circuitradian where, you know, everybody's getting, uh, tri- again, chronobiology is such a new, uh, area of science. I think we're, we're learning more every single day, but the idea is that we have this second biological rhythm and we experience that over the course of our 28 day cycle approximately, right? Just like the circadian rhythm, we experience it over 24 hour day, mm-hmm. right? So that's how you would experience it. However, just like the circadian rhythm doesn't just control your sleep-wake cycle, but it controls, let's say, the timing of when your blood pressure is more or less elevated throughout the day naturally, or the timing when your bowels are more active versus least active, right? Let's just even look at that for a minute, right? Isn't it so advantageous that you have a circadian clock that's orchestrating the timing of bowel movements If you did not, right, then let's say you were in deep REM state of sleep Mm -hmm. without anything governing the timing of other functions of the body, right? You could wake up in the middle of that REM state needing to have a large bowel movement. And then you would disrupt, like you would not, there's nothing about that that would be efficient, right? right? Right. So similarly, the, the infradian, circuitradian rhythms, this is really about, how do we organize the fact that your brain is being stimulated for example just by the modulation of estrogen over the course of the cycle right how do we have a pattern around that how do we have how does how do all these changing hormones affect our immune response our metabolic response right there's a timing to all of this in addition to the very tactical things that we see with our cycle right so for example we know that You know, these hormonal ratios that take place in the follicular, the ovulatory, the luteal, and the menstrual phases, these are the four phases of your cycle, they do things like grow follicles on the ovary, cause one of them to be released, build the lining of the uterus, cause that to shed. All of these different hormonal ratios, as they shift, they have this physical effect on the reproductive system. But it also has this whole other effect on other systems of the body that we're just not tying together. And I think that's where we get tripped up. Mm -hmm. So can we know, like, what's the tactical part of this? Can we know where we are and do we, do we have a plan for every piece of the rhythm? What's, what is, what should women do? So that's where the cycle singing method comes into play. So you know where you are, just like in that circadian rhythm, you know where you are based on what time of day it is, right? If it's the morning, if it's the afternoon, if it's the evening, right? You know where you are, you know, kind of what self-care you'd want to do, right? Similarly with the, with our infradian, circotradian rhythms, if you are in the follicular phase of your cycle or the ovulatory or the luteal or the menstrual, you're going to shift your self-care accordingly. Mm-hmm. So I like giving some practical examples yeah. to help. Yeah. Let's start with food. Well, let's start with this. Hang on. Yeah. Wait, anyone listening? You have to track your cycle. We got to start there, right? Yes, you do yeah. have to start there. I don't know. It's I don't know what day I'm on. I have no idea. You've got to know that stuff, just like you know what you ate for lunch or breakfast or dinner. Please, please, please track your cycle. All right. I'll no, move. and actually, that's so important because, as you know, the American College of Obstetrics and Gynecologists decreed that your period must now be considered a fifth vital sign, mm-hmm. and that's important because the other four we're all accustomed to being taken in the emergency room setting, or we all know in our post-COVID world that you know we would take very seriously the biofeedback of an elevated temperature, right? For example, um, and you have been conditioned or trained to know. That if you have an elevated temperature, you should do certain things to take care of that. The the challenge is we haven't looked at our cycle culturally as an important piece of biofeedback. We've instead maligned it as a curse. Mm -hmm. You know, it has all these weird, you know, like... I don't know, cultural associations that have nothing to do with any basis in science. Right. And so we throw away this powerful biofeedback that we're getting each and every day. We just don't even, we ignore it. And that's really dangerous because it's dangerous to ignore a fever, right? And it's dangerous to ignore your cycle if now, especially our medical you know, um, powers that be are telling you that it's just as important a biomarker as your temperature, right? So we do have to start tracking every single day. The MyFlow app that I built was, you know, I wanted to build something that wasn't just going to tell you like, hey, you're about to get your period or, hey, you're, you're, you know, you're about to have PMS. That's not, we all know that, <laughs> you know, we don't necessarily need an app to tell us where well, we're about to have some some symptoms. Right. What I thought we needed was a, an app that would help us track where we are in the cycle, track each symptom, understand why you're having a symptom in each particular phase. For example, the acne that you have during ovulation is very different in cause in root cause origin than the acne you're having in the luteal phase, right? The week before your period tracking, which type of acne you're having and when gives you the power to know what to do next. And then the app kind of tells you, and gives you guidance from a functional nutrition point of view, what things to do to help deal with this symptom, right? And so tracking, I think is, you're absolutely right, the first best, best place to start for sure. Yeah. And if you're a mom and you have a teenage daughter, get your daughter tracking her cycle as soon as she starts having a cycle because you want that to just be her normal. Like you taught her how to brush and floss her teeth every night. When it comes time for her to um, you know, move into the stage of having a cycle, you want, to have, you want to help normalize for her what good cycle self-care looks like. And that's an everyday relationship that you're having with your hormones, not one where you avoid, ignore, and wait till there's a crisis to do triage. That is not a healthy relationship to have with our bodies, right? You wouldn't do that with your teeth. You shouldn't do that with your period, right? <laughs> so... Um, so tracking is good. And then let's look at sort of um, just the metabolic impact that this infradian, circuitradian rhythm has on our uh, our month, right? So for example, um, in the first half of the cycle, well, let me even back up to say that the current thinking is that the best thing that you could do for your health is to strive to to endeavor to eat the same amount of calories every day, right? Just about. You want to stay consistent, maintain a good caloric level daily, and that's going to optimize your metabolic response, right? Mm -hmm. The thing that you need to know, and this was the other big sort of aha that I had when I wrote the book, was that women are being actively left out of medical fitness and nutrition research because of this biological rhythm and the assumption that it is too complex to study, which is – silly when we also then look at the fact that they're doing very nuanced studies around the circadian rhythm, which is a fluctuating dynamic rhythm. And so it's, there is really no more excuse that we could just say, right. uh, it's just institutionalized gender bias and everybody's aware of it. And, and, and it's just very slow to make the progress to include women in mm-hmm. those studies. So it is what it is, but you do need to be aware of that because when you are reading the latest and greatest, like, oh, intermittent fasting is the best thing for you right. or hit workouts are the best thing for you, you have to ask yourself the question as a woman in your reproductive years, um, who was the cohort that was studied, right? Was it all genders? Was it all ages? Was my age demographic included? Because oftentimes women in the reproductive years are excluded. Women postmenopausally are very much included because it turns out that we you you go back to a circadian only clock mm-hmm. after menopause, right after your last period. So it's easy to include those women in the studies with the male with the male group. Um, and so the premise of where these Truths, and I put that in quotations, you know, air quotes, or these um, sort of assumptions that we make about what is ideal or optimal. You, you have, we just have to acknowledge that that is actually based on what is optimal for male biology, right? <laughs> so it turns out that our metabolism is dynamic, and so it requires dynamically, uh, you know, con- mon- modulating our caloric intake. So in the first half of your cycle. The follicular and the ovulatory phases, your metabolism is slower relative to yourself, not relative to men. (laughs) That's important to say. (laughs) And um, you can absolutely eat fewer calories, you can do more, you know, intermittent fasting, you'll feel good with less. Once you're over the ovulatory moment and you're now in the luteal phase. Studies show your metabolism speeds up and you need 279 more calories per day. Mm-hmm. And if you don't get them, you're going to do all sorts of disruptive things to your system, right? Because you're going to disrupt insulin, cortisol, and eventually progesterone and then the next cycle of ovulation, right? So we have to really, again, modulate our caloric intake to match the metabolic reality that is being um dynamically affected by this biological rhythm. And if we don't, we then disrupt our hormones. And then over time, we start to really profoundly disrupt this biological rhythm that then, you know, just it's like a vicious circle Hmm. um, that we want to sort of avoid. So we have to throw out a lot of the things that we've assumed are true about what is optimal around wellness, because it is optimal for a specific gender and their biological rhythm and not ours. And we have to just unhook ourselves from that. And so many women continue to try to restrict calories in Mm -hmm. the luteal phase and they're hungry and they're, you know, anxiety is like a huge problem for women in, you know, that comes really, a lot of it can be resolved just by getting the right caloric intake dialed in throughout the month. Um, You know, if you're eating enough, your brain is going to be functioning more optimally (laughs) And we all know what happens when we feel hangry, right? And that's exacerbated in the luteal phase where you know you're not getting enough calories if you're waking up sort of half out of a trance, so to speak, at the bottom of a bag of chips or cookies. Right. Right. You know, this is your neurotransmitters taking over for you. When you haven't given yourself enough calories, ghrelin is going to take over and you're going to eat, but you're not going to make great food choices. So if, you're, if that is what is going to happen to you, because we are really governed by our biochemistry more than we'd like to admit, what do you want to do? How do you want to play that? Do you want to wait till ghrelin takes over? Or do you want to proactively, you know, preemptively front load your caloric intake the way you're supposed to, to meet your metabolic shift? And I would say we should be doing the latter, right? And so this is what the cycle syncing method will help you do with the food piece not just on the caloric intake side, but also using food strategically to help with the things that are taking place hormonally. For example, I mentioned the the difference between acne in the, in the ovulatory phase versus the luteal phase. So many of us struggle with ovulatory ex, estrogen excess, right? Yeah. We have chin breakouts, we have issues there, mid-cycle pain, et cetera. You, the, the. there's a food chart in chapter four of In the Flow that's going to sort of share with you the ideal foods that are going to really supercharge your liver, which is mm-hmm. responsible for breaking down estrogen in its phases of detoxification, to support that, that whole process, right, and to make sure that it gets out through the gut as quickly as possible. So we're not just looking at caloric intake, although that's one very important piece. We're also looking at how can you use food functionally, to support what is happening with the body in each of these phases. So it's a really powerful combination um, of really, really taking care of your hormones in a way that you've never done before. So is this shifting between what we do, would you think of it as like follicular phase, ovulatory phase, luteal phase, like, and then finally getting your actual period, would you think of it that way? Um, Yes. One through seven, eight through... 12 or whatever. Well, and I, I, I actually, I, I, there's a little section in the book that I kind of, you know, make a case for the fact that let's face it, you know, the people who were organizing the cycle were guys, you know, right. In an know. academic point of view. And I find it really arbitrary. I, I'm just commenting. This is my opinion. Right. I find it arbitrary that we call the first day of the bleed day one of the cycle. Mm-hmm. because as you experience your cycle, it's not the beginning. The, the When the bleeding happens, is not the beginning of your right. cycle. It's the completion of the cycle, That's right? right? That's why no one can get it. That's, That's why- right. It, it, no it, it run does run. not match our experience. So right. this is arbitrary. I think it's arbitrary as from the female gaze, right? But right. from the male gaze, it's like, okay, well, we can count. <laughs> we can count 14 days, and then we can know when she's fertile. Right. So, you know, it is what it is, but... I think instead of getting tripped up on counting the days, it's really just about understanding that each phase does a specific thing. And if you can identify with the thing that the phase is trying to accomplish, the follicular phase is developing eggs in the ovary. The ovulatory phase is releasing one of those eggs. um, The luteal phase is building the lining of the uh, uterus. And the menstrual phase is shedding that lining. Then it really is irrelevant in a way, you know, all the 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 numbers of it. I think if you're trying to conceive, even that is becoming more and more obsolete like this day 14 thing yeah. because we have technology now where you can measure luteinizing hormone or you know really look at things in a more data-based way as opposed to this arbitrary number of counting days because we don't all ovulate on day 14. <laughs> you know, it's not necessarily the only thing that we should be striving for. So I argue in the book that we could maybe reclaim Our relationship to our cycle phases and and the order of that uh, in a way that feels more um, authentic to the experience that we're having where the follicular phase is like the beginning of the process Mm -hmm. and the menstrual phase is really the end of that process right well what do women do who don't get regular cycles so don't have the benchmarks what about women in menopause what would you say to them And then what about our teen girls or our our young girls? Where where do they fit into this puzzle? So let's start with the menopausal community because it's just so straightforward, right? So this infradian effect (laughs) that you have is approximately something you're going to be living with for about four decades, right? From your first bleed to your last. Mm -hmm. Every human has a circadian clock. You will have one all throughout your life. You just have this dual clock system that takes place over these four decades. Once you've had your last bleed, which is menopause, and then 12 months later, you then call yourself postmenopausal, you then can go back to a self care plan that is based on the circadian clock because that is what is dominant in your body mm-hmm. at that time. And that's what will govern your sort of self care plan at that point, which is why, for example, when we look at the studies on intermittent fasting, which I love talking about, So much, um, you know, (laughs) because when we look at that, it was done on men and postmenopausal women and the effect and the benefit of the uh, intermittent fasting routine is equal for men and postmenopausal women. Mm -hmm. So you get all the benefits of, you know, um, improved insulin response and, and, and cognitive performance and cellular autophagy and all of those good things. But the studies that we, the few studies we have on intermittent fasting, there's not enough because women are excluded in their reproductive years. The few studies we do have um, for women in the reproductive years shows us the extreme opposite. Because again, if you're doing something like depriving yourself of calories based on a circadian pattern, when you have that plus an infradian and circadian thing going on, you're going to disrupt these biological rhythms pretty profoundly, and so. For women in their reproductive years, intermittent fasting can lead to worsening insulin response, Mm -hmm. disrupted thyroid, worsening cognitive, so more brain fog, Mm -hmm. um, you know, no benefits from a cellular autophagy point of view, and things like shrinking of your ovaries can happen, which is not optimal when you're in your fertile years, right? Mm Right. And so this is what I mean. We need to have a much more nuanced conversation instead of saying, oh, the re- this research just came out. And so now this new thing is good for everyone. We should just say, okay, great. For whom, at what age and stage of life, what gender, you know, like, or what biological rhythm is dominant in this person? What hormones are they are they producing naturally? I think it's really important that we start having a little bit more of a Biological rhythm awareness-based conversation versus just these blanket health and wellness recommendations like this is good for everyone. I mean, this is also true for hit workouts, right? You know, not to pick on intermittent fasting because I, I, to me, I it's I am not dogmatic about it. I think right. use it when it's good for you. So, right. for example, when I'm postmenopausal, I will be doing intermittent fasting because the studies show that that's optimal. Right. <laughs> so why wouldn't we do that, right? right. But hit workouts, another one that people love to hang their hats on as the optimal thing. Well, it turns out it's not optimal for women, depending on which phase you're in. In the first half of the cycle, um, you can uh, do HIIT workouts and restrict your calories. And you're going to have this net effect of building lean muscle maximally and burning stored fat as fuel maximally. Once you're in the luteal phase and your metabolism has sped up, Resting cortisol levels also are higher. And so HIIT workouts are the worst thing you could do, it turns out. Because if you do HIIT workouts in the second half, you're going to be turning on fat storage and turning on muscle wasting. So this whole thing that women beat themselves up over weight management, I'm somebody who has maintained a 60-pound weight loss for 20 years. So I I know what this Mm -hmm. can feel like to struggle with weight where I used to, this used to happen to me. I would be so committed to whatever workout I was doing. And I'd do the HIT workout classes and the yeah. bootcamp classes every day of the month. And sometimes I'd feel really good in the class. Other times I'd feel really drained. But at the end of the month, I would make almost no progress from a weight loss point of view or worse. I would gain a pound yeah. and I would just go crazy thinking, what have I done? Because it's not for lack of willpower. It's not for lack of commitment. And I, I'm just so happy to share that it can be so much easier for you if you simply do the right workout intensity in alignment with what's happening with your biology, yeah. then everything just starts to flow. And that's the idea behind the title of the book, In the Flow, that we can actually achieve a peak flow state as women by really leaning into our biological rhythm as opposed to ignoring it, which is what we've been taught to do. And it's, it's to our detriment, really. Clearly. Oh, my gosh. So th- and here's just a a quick... Example, I think I'm in the ovulatory phase right now. You are quite glowy today. So- <laughs> <laughs> well, I was starving, like starving today. Like I couldn't, like I usually do some- So then maybe you're moving into the end exactly. of ovulation- Did my morning yoga, came back. Usually, like, I'll I'll wait till about 11 or so. I couldn't do it today. And I was like, I'm just going to listen to my body. I am hungry. And I've been hungry the whole morning. I was like, what is wrong with me? But I just counted as we were talking. I'm in that that ovulatory, headed into the gluteal phase shortly. So I think that's what's going on. But... And, and i think i think it's yes. really important and this is why tracking is so important right because you need to know with precision which phase you're in because guessing can leave right. you kind of um with that hunger gap right and a blood sugar mismanagement yeah. which you know will sort of plague you for the whole day until you right. go to sleep that night so it is something that we want to dial in especially if you're trying to do biohacking right seriously right. and you want to optimize your performance during the day you know And I know that if you don't get your calories in at the right time and your blood sugar starts to tank and you have a hypoglycemic reaction, it's going to take a few hours for the body to restore homeostasis despite eating. And so then now you're performing suboptimally for those few hours. Mm -hmm. And if you continue to mismanage that, right, by, I don't know, thinking that it's okay to continue to skip that meal and have some sort of like, loaded coffee product with stuff you know mm. <laughs> it's not going to do it right and then you're going to be there the whole day until you go to bed feeling like something what did you do wrong that day you're going to feel like you really went in the wrong direction and for good reason because you did you went away from aligning with what's your body needed so yeah. <clears throat> for women in their reproductive years the cycle syncing method is your best bet mm-hmm. to really um to deeply supporting this new biological rhythm that you're now aware of the infradian circotradian rhythms and to really sup- keeping your hormones performing optimally, not just estrogen and progesterone throughout the cycle, but also the big important master hormones like insulin and cortisol. Right. And for our teen girls, as soon as they start their first bleed, this is what they have to be doing too. Right. Mm-hmm. There's no time to wait. They're having a cycle. So they should be cycle thinking, right? It's really, really important that you educate them about that. And I think as a mother, I have a, you know, a young daughter and, you know, she's last year alone. I was on so many podcasts. She started coming to me randomly. It was so, so, uh, I don't know. I, I wish I could find the right adjective. Cute is one adjective, but also really moving that she came to me and said, mom, you're so interesting the things that you talk about are so interesting. And I was like, well, I'm glad you think so because you're going to be learning more about this as you get older. Um, but you no. have these biological rhythms and they they are what we have to support. But even introducing that to her at six and seven, right? is such an interesting uh, little seed to plant because when she's nine and 11, the, the prep conversation I'll be having with her, which I think we should all be having with our daughters at nine, 10, 11, 12, right is not oh by the way you're going to have this thing happen once a month and it's a period and it could be a problem and here's how you use pads this is this is not the thing that's going to inspire someone about their bodies right and we're going about that conversation i think totally it needs a major upgrade and i think the upgrade that we have is we start to say hey we have this second biological clock that's going to get activated at a certain age around 12 And it's going to have you go from feeling the same every day, which is how you feel as a kid, to feeling different four different ways throughout the month. And that's how you're going to know you're in your womanhood phase. And all that that means is that you just have to learn four different self-care routines that you use as these things change throughout the month. You just repeat them every month. And I'll help you figure that out. And the way that you're going to know that this cycle has started is you're going to have this thing called a period, right? Right. I think if we had that conversation with our teenage girls, yeah. they would be on a completely different trajectory in terms of the relationship with their body. There'd be no period trauma. Right. They would look. They would be excited about having as, access to this really exciting biological rhythm that gives them superpowers in different ways throughout them. Yeah. We haven't even talked about the effects on brain chemistry. Uh. and and productivity, right? And if we set them up to be excited about their biology, then they will be very, very easily interested in doing the self-care that is needed for their biology, right? We got to bring you back to talk about the brain piece because I have a whole spiel on that. Uh, Just firsthand with my daughter and watching that shift, you know, from a from a brain standpoint, the cognitive and emotional standpoint, it's been fascinating. So we'll have to, we'll have to bring you back to talk about happy to, happy to come back. But I mean, I so interesting. I love this topic so much. I think it's such an open space where we've got to make an imprint. So where can everyone connect with you, learn more about you find in the flow, all of this other good stuff. Uh, Let, let our watchers and listeners know you can get the book anywhere books are sold if you want to get a bunch of free um, free downloads to support your biological rhythm you can do that at in uh, the flowbook.com um turns out you can even synchronize your skincare routine with your rhythm because it affects the thickness of your skin the sebaceous output of your skin it's really fascinating um you can, uh, if you're having any sort of period issue that you need help with around menstruation, fertility, or perimenopause, you can come to our hormonal digital hormonal healthcare center called flowliving.com. Um, if you are interested in diving in, you are so excited about this, you want to start the cycle syncing method, you can go to cyclesyncingmembership.com. And uh, we are very happy to extend to your listeners, uh, actually, um, a a first free month of this, of this membership. You just have to put in the code, Dr. Taz. Um, And we, you know, we also have this, you can see it behind my shoulder here. uh, Something I'm really proud of formulating, you know, these hormonal patterns need a little extra support. And so I formulated the first cycle syncing supplement kit to really help you in each of the four phases of your cycle. So you can um, check that out on the Flow Living website. And if you want to purchase them, you can also get uh, 15% off with Dr. Taz 15. And then you can find us on social uh, at Flow Living and at alisa.vd. Wonderful. I love, love having you on. We will have to bring you back. I hope all of you listening and watching today really, really enjoyed this particular episode. It's so important to educate not only ourselves, but any other family member that you know, who is so confused about hormones. And that includes our little ones, like my 13 year old daughter and all of her friends. So this is a really important topic. Thank you, Alyssa, for being with us today. I appreciate it so much for everybody else watching this episode of Superwoman Wellness. Don't forget to rate and review it and share it with your friends. I will see you guys next time.